go to 2 Samuel. Kind of like this morning, there's kind of a story to tell <coughs> as we look at tonight's message out of 2 Samuel. And as you remember last Sunday, I talked about Jabez and said that we're going to look at obscure, not very well-known people in the Bible, just kind of names and with little parts that they play and what does it mean. <coughs> and so I'm continuing on with that with an interesting person who in Second Samuel chapter 16 says something very, very impressive about in the last verse of Second Samuel 16. The very last verse, it says, And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. In other words, as if God's word was being spoken. That's how he was respected. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel in both with David and with Absalom. This man Ahithophel was so respected that what he said was as if it was God and God's word or God's wisdom. So why don't we hear more about him? Why is he not a very well-known individual in the Bible? Well, we need to discover why. We start in 2 Samuel 11, and I'm not going to read everything I'm going to talk about because it's just chapter after chapter. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we start in verse 1, and it came to pass after the year that was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now, if he's a king, he should have been in battle, but he stayed home. He was getting lazy, and that happens when you start to become successful and you're in charge, you, you kind of take it a little easy. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed. Now, why couldn't why wasn't he sleeping in the evening tide? Shouldn't be uh, having to get up. But anyway, and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, <coughs> the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned into her house. And the woman conceived, and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. And then the rest of the chapter is how that David tried to get Uriah, the husband, to come home and spend time with his wife so that everyone would think that he was the father. But Uriah was such a noble, honorable soldier he said how dare i even go down to enjoy my wife's company when i've got my fellow soldiers sleeping on the ground out on the battlefield wow what a what a stabbing statement to david <coughs> david couldn't get uriah even to go down to his wife's house when he was drunk he he purposely got uriah drunk and and uriah still wouldn't so finally david sent a note back to Joab the general and said, I want you to get into the heat of the battle and I want you to put Uriah in the front of the battle and then when the battle is hot and heavy, I want you to withdraw everyone but Uriah and let Uriah fight it out until he dies. And so basically David ordered the death of Uriah. And you know who he sent the note with to back to Joab? He sent it with Uriah because he knew Uriah wouldn't open the note and read it. That's how honorable... The Bible calls Uriah one of David's mighty men. It's a very sad and disgusting story. And of course, after 
Joab reported back and said, hey, Uriah's dead. Then David said, oh, well, I think I'll marry his widow. And then, of course, it all looks like everything's fine. But we know the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. And so in chapter 12, the prophet Nathan comes to David and tells him this story as an illustration, as a parable. He says, there was a man who had this one little lamb and just cared and cherished that one little lamb. And then some guy who was a rich guy uh, had some friends that he wanted to entertain and, and feed. And so instead of killing one of his many lambs, he, killed, he went to his neighbor's house and took the one lamb that that man had and killed it and offered it. And the story just made David mad. And he said, that man should die for what he did. And he should restore fourfold for what he did. And then Nathan looked at him and said, you're the man. And as soon as Nathan said that to David, David knew exactly what he was talking about. Nathan obviously, by the way, that was took some guts for Nathan to do that because David could have had Nathan killed like he had Uriah killed. But, but God broke David's heart, and he knew he was wrong. And Nathan, the preacher, said to David, now, you're not going to die. But he never, he never said anything about the fourfold. And by the way, the reason why David said he should restore fourfold is that's the law in Deuteronomy. And so what happens next is the baby, the love child, the child born out of wedlock and an adultery, that baby died in the last letter part of chapter 12. Then in chapter 13, remember, David had many wives. And one of the downfalls of David was having more than one wife. You see, the Bible says, thou shalt not multiply wives if you're a king. And so in Deuteronomy, if, he, if they had just remembered what God's word says, don't multiply wives. And so the king who multiplies wives, he's disobeying God. Now, it was permissible. It was legal in that day, but it wasn't right. In other words, it was okay in the eyes of man, but according to God's word, it was not right. He's not to multiply wives. By the way, if David had just known that and remembered that, no matter who he saw on that rooftop bathing, David would have known instantly what? Whoever it is, I don't need to ask about her because I'm already married. And since I'm already married, it doesn't matter if she's single or not single. I've already got a wife and I'm not to multiply wives. So if he had just stuck with the word of God, he'd avoided this whole thing. But because he was interested and because one woman isn't enough, you know, by the time he's lusted after her, he, then it's he finds out she's married. And Uriah's a Hittite. You know, Hittites, they're not really one of us anyway, so it's okay. And, and it goes from there. Well, that baby died fourfold, remember? Then in chapter 13, because of these many different wives, he had many children who were then half-brothers and sisters, stepchildren to each other, with same dad, different moms. And 2 Samuel 13 we won't take the time to read all of it. <coughs> but David had a beautiful daughter named Tamar. He had a very good-looking son named Absalom. And Absalom grew out his hair long, and he was very beautiful to look at as a, as a guy. And Tamar probably was just as stunning as Absalom. And they had a half-brother from a different mother named Amnon. And Amnon talks to his cousin uh, Jonadab and says, I just am in love with Tamar. I just can't stop. I've got such a crush on her. No, he was in lust. And Jonadab said, hey, why don't you just set it up? Have her come over and, and 
make a meal for you, and then you can do whatever you want. And so Amnon raped his half-sister Tamar. You're going to restore fourfold. After that, Tamar basically went home and sat in Absalom's house and was absolutely devastated. She was desolate. I don't know that she ever married. She ripped off her virgin clothes of virginity and purity and just shred them and put on this sackcloth and just wept and mourned and moaned for what had happened to her. And as soon as Amnon was done with her, he hated her, the Bible says. By the way, that's what lust is. It's not love. Selfishness. Well, I remember I said that Absalom was her full-blooded brother. And Absalom was very wroth at this. But he kept it under his hat. He tells his sister in chapter 13 and verse number 22, And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister. And then from there, (coughs) you read how that Absalom set it up with some of his servants. That one day all the king's sons would get together and they're having a, I don't know, a branding or some kind of a hoorah. And they all get together and they're taking care of the cattle or the sheep or whatever. And and Absalom sets it up. When Amnon is drunk and he's just feeling real good about himself, I want all of you to just hit him at once. And they killed Amnon. And, of course, the rest of the king's sons were stunned at this as they saw this murder taking place right before their eyes. And they all got on their mules and fled. And word got back to King David, the father, that all your sons are being killed. And that wasn't true. Just one was being killed, and that was Amnon. By the way, you know who told David the story? Jonadab, the very guy that talked Amnon into the stupid idea in the first place. Jonadab says, oh, it's not all your sons. It's just Amnon. And he did it because of what Absalom did it because of what Amnon did to his sister. Child number three. The baby dies. The daughter is pretty much ruined. And now Amnon's been murdered by his own brother. So Absalom flees for his life and spends three years out of the country, (coughs) away from home. After a while, the Bible tells us that David, I think he understood First of all, I think he understood because it was what he had done that was causing all this dysfunction and hatred and turmoil in his family. It was he reaping what he had sown. Secondly, I think he understood the anger that Absalom had for Amnon. And so he started to think more softly and kindly toward Absalom. But I can tell you this, growing up in a king's palace and in the situation they were in, Absalom was very spoiled and very self-centered. And when you're super good-looking and you're the king's son, you can't help but imagine how self-centered and and whatnot Absalom was. Well, what we don't realize until we keep reading is that Absalom's not happy yet. He's not just angry with Amnon. You know who else he's really mad at? He's mad at his dad. He's mad at his dad because his dad didn't stop anything or do anything to Amnon when he probably could have or should have. even though David knew that Amnon had raped his daughter. And so Absalom is still bitter and still angry. And so in chapter 15, 
and verse 1. It came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him 50, excuse me, chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. You see what he's doing? He's undermining his father. You know, if I were put in charge, I'd take care of you guys. I don't know why the king doesn't take care of you guys. And he treated them real nice and kissed them and acted like they were best buddies. Verse 7, and it came to pass after 40 years. This isn't 40 years after this is 40 years from probably an earlier time in Absalom's life. In other words, Absalom is at least 40 years old. Then Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron, obviously 40 years earlier. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode in Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. <coughs> but... That wasn't his reason for going to Hebron. Verse 10, But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And Hebron was the home area of David and Jerusalem. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem and that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. They weren't even aware what Absalom was up to. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel. This is our guy that we've been talking about tonight. Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gileonite, David's counselor, from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. <coughs> Absalom is conspiring to take over the kingdom and to kill his father. Absalom corrals Ahithophel, now, it's interesting that this man who we read in the next chapter, this man is, has such respect, and, and everyone knows that the wisdom of Ahithophel. And so Absalom very wisely calculates that, man, if I have Ahithophel on my side, wow, that'll be a lot of weight. And he's pulling the political pressure and the political weight his way. But why did Ahithophel go with Absalom? Let's keep reading. And so... Ahithophel joins with Absalom, and we get down, uh, and we'll skip some verses down to verse uh, 30. David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet, and wept as he went up, and his head covered, and he went barefoot. And all the people that was with him covered every man his head, and they went up weeping as they went. Now, what happened? When David and the people who were with David heard what Absalom was doing, they fled. They left the, the palace, they left uh, Jerusalem and they went through <coughs> on the Mount of Olives and they were getting out and crossing the Kidron Valley and they were trying to get out of the city.
because they weren't sure how big this overtake was. They weren't sure how big the mutiny was and the conspiracy was, but it sounded scary and dangerous. And when they realized Absalom had all this army put together, they were scared. And so they, they were fleeing the city. And I think David is trying to get people out of the city so they're not going to be killed, including him. In verse 31, and one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. That had to have been a dagger to David's heart. And here's what David prayed in the middle of verse 31. David said, Oh, Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. As they're walking out of town and descending up the Mount of Olives, he's praying, Oh, God, turn the counsel of Ahithophel, which is as if God spoke, turn it into foolishness. Somehow do a miracle. And make this man Ahithophel, who is so respected, make his, his counsel to sound foolish. Verse 32, and it came to pass that when David was come to the top <coughs> of the mount where he worshipped God, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head. Now Hushai was a real friend of David. The Bible says in, in uh, 1 Chronicles twenty-seven thirty-three, Ahithophel was his counselor. But Hushai was his friend. And here we see in, in verse 32 that Hushai's got his clothes rent and he's got earth upon his head. He's very grieved at what's happening. Verse 33, unto whom David said, if thou passest on with me, then thou shalt be a burden unto me. If you go with me, you're, you're actually going to be a burden to me. Here's what I want you to do. Verse 34, but if thou return to this city and say unto Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant hitherto, so will I now also be thy servant. Then mayest thou be thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. Hushai, I want you to go back and pretend like you are Absalom's servant. And I want you to try to thwart the counsel of Ahithophel and persuade Absalom not to listen to Ahithophel. And hast thou not there with thee Zadok and Abiathar? He said, there's some other, there's sons of priests there. There, There's some guy, I've got some other guys in the city that are on my side. You've got some guys undercover that are on our side. And Hushai, I want you to do this. Now, this is very dangerous. Hushai is risking his life to do this, but this is what David's asking him to do and encourages Hushai to fool Absalom. So then we get to chapter 16. And of course, Absalom sets himself up <coughs> as the new king in Israel. And so chapter 16, verse 15, And Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel with him. And it came to pass, when Hushai the archite, David's friend, was come into Absalom, that Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. And Absalom said to Hushai, Is this thy kindness to thy friend? Why wentest thou not with thy friend? And Hushai said unto Absalom, Nay, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his will I be, and with him will I abide. And again, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son, as I have served in thy father's presence? So will I be in thy presence. And so Hushai fooled Absalom and said, Oh, I'm with you just like I was with your father. Why shouldn't I serve you? You're his son. Absalom accepted it. Got a question, though. <coughs> why didn't Absalom ask Ahithophel, why aren't you going with my dad? Did you notice that when Absalom asked Ahithophel to join up, 
Ahithophel didn't say anything, and Absalom didn't ask Ahithophel, what's your motive? But when Hushai joined up, he asked Hushai, why would you want to be on my side? I'll answer that question in a minute. In verse 20, then said Absalom to Ahithophel, right there in front of Hushai, give counsel among you, what shall we do? And Ahithophel said, now remember, this is the man who in verse 23 was respected as if he spoke the oracles of God. But listen to what he says in verse 21 and 22. And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, that's his harem, his extra wives, which he hath left to keep the house. And all Israel shall hear that thou art a horde of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house. And Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. That's filthy advice. And then it follows up with verse 23. And the counsel of Ahithophel was which he counseled in those days was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God, except for that right there, what he just said. That's how respected he was, though, up until this time. Now, chapter 17 and verse 1. Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night, and I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and I will make him afraid, and all people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only, and I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if all returned, so all the people shall be in peace. And the saying pleased Absalom well, and all the elders of Israel and let me just tell you right now, it was really good military advice. Strike now. Let's do it now. Give me 12,000 men, and we will chase after them, and we will take David, and we will get David, and all of the people will have no choice but to follow you. And the truth is, humanly speaking, it was the right thing to do as a military advice. <clears throat> Verse Number four, and the saying pleased Absalom well, and all the elders of Israel then said, Absalom, call now Hushai, the archite also, and let us hear likewise what he saith. And when Hushai was come to Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel hath spoken after this manner. Shall we do after his saying? If not, speak thou. And Hushai said, I think Hushai took a great big gulp. And I think he prayed. And then I think he said, The counsel that Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. For, said Hushai, thou knowest thy father and his men, that they be mighty men, and they be chafed in their minds as a bear robbed of her whelps in the field. And thy father is a man of war and will not lodge with his the people. Behold, he is hid now in some pit or in some other place. And it will come to pass when some of them be overthrown at the first, that whosoever heareth it will say there is slaughter among the people that follow Absalom. And he also that is valiant and whose heart is the heart of the lion shall utterly melt for all Israel knoweth that thy father is a mighty man and that they be, which be with him are valiant men. Therefore I counsel that all Israel be generally gathered unto thee from Dan even to Beersheba as the sand that is by the sea for multitude, multitude and that thou go to battle in thine own person. So shall we come upon him in some place where we, he shall be found and we will light upon him as the dew falleth on the ground and of him and of all the men that are with him there shall not be left so much as one. 
Moreover, if he be gotten into the city, then shall all Israel bring ropes to that city, and we will draw it into the river until thou be not one small there will be not one small stone found upon another. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai and the Archite is the Archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. Hushai gave a great speech. He said, we just need to wait. We need to rally everybody together. And what he's really saying is, we need to give David more time because he is not ready for this. And so we need to gather everybody together. So you need to send messengers and Pony Express to all parts of the, and so that everybody is, so that the whole nation is all one, like one man. And then we're going to go in. And we're going to destroy your dad and destroy everybody. And if they're in the city, we're just going to take ropes and we're going to drag them right into the river. And, and everybody's like, yeah, that's not right. And they just fooled them. It was a dumb idea, but it worked. He appealed to their pride and they went with it. And God used Hushai's not so good advice to defeat Ahithophel's better idea. And of course, <clears throat> what happens then in chapter 17 and chapter 18 is that they don't strike while the iron's hot like they should have, and they waited like Hushai said. And so then by waiting, it gave David and his people time to secure themselves and, and to uh, get themselves put together. <clears throat> so by the time the battle took place, the Bible says that Absalom's people were wiped out. And Absalom rode on a donkey, and his long flowing hair went behind him, and he went under these trees, and his hair caught into the branches of the trees and the mule kept going and Absalom hung in the branches by his hair. And someone came to General Joab and said, I just saw Absalom hanging by his hair. And King David, who still loved Absalom, said, if you find Absalom, don't hurt him. Silly. And Joab said, why didn't you kill him? And the, the young man said, I heard what David said. I'm not killing his son. Joab said, you should have. And he went out with some other men, and they just, they plunged his heart with darts. <coughs> they, they smote him while he hung in that tree. And Absalom died a deserving death. It's a sad story. And, of course, David wept and, and cried when he heard that Absalom was dead. But at chapter 17 and verse 23, before even Absalom was dead, it says in verse 23 of chapter 17, and when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed. He saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, to his city, and put his household in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. Wow. <clears throat> How does a man who, who had the respect of the entire nation for his wisdom and counsel end up like this? Well, before I answer that question, let me just also point out that no one's for sure, but when you go to Psalm 41 and Psalm 55, David says this concerning somebody. In Psalm 41 and verse number 9, it says, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. In chapter 55, starting in verse number 11, it says, in Psalms, wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked 
unto the house of God in company. No one can say for sure who David's referring to there, but it very well could have been Ahithophel. But you know what's interesting about those two psalms? It's also prophetic about somebody else who was betrayed by a friend. There's a lot of connections. In fact, Ahithophel is called the Judas Iscariot of the Old Testament. Both were associated as being trusted with their master. Ahithophel was the king's counselor, and Judas is the one that carried the money. Both were a friend of their master. You didn't get to a high position like Ahithophel had unless you were a friend. And, of course, uh, when Jesus saw Judas coming in the garden, he said, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Both were together in God's work. We just read in Psalm fifty-five, fourteen, we went into the house of God together. And Judas walked with Christ for three years and heard his preaching and saw the miracles. And both, both betrayed their master, both Hehithophel and Judas. Both were confounded by God's purpose. Both thought that they were going to win, and they lost. And both went out and hung themselves. So there's some interesting connections to Hithophel. How does the man, how does the man who, when he spoke, it was as if the oracles of God were being given, die like Judas Iscariot and hang himself as a loser? How? Well, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19. Proverbs 18, 19 says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. I want to rewind this story a little bit and explain to you that I believe that the reason why Ahithophel behaved the way he did is that David had offended him years earlier. David had offended Ahithophel. You say, how? Well, Turn with me in 2 Samuel chapter 23 and then 2 Samuel chapter 11 where we were at the beginning. 2 Samuel 11, but also 2 Samuel 23. Here's what you'll see. In 2 Samuel 23 and verse number 34, it's a list of the just chronology and, 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 and lineages and names of people. And in 2 Samuel 23 and verse 34, it says, Eliphalet, the son of Ahashabai, the son of Maacathite, and Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gileonite. This is the same Ahithophel. And his son's name is Eliam. Ahithophel's son is Eliam. Now go back with me to Second Samuel chapter 11 and verse 3. And David sent and inquired after Bathsheba. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam? Bathsheba was the granddaughter of Ahithophel. Bathsheba was Ahithophel's granddaughter. And what David did to Bathsheba and to Uriah was wrong. It's wrong. But the Bible says 
vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Did you notice the sick counsel that Ahithophel gave to Absalom? He said, take your dad's wives and go up to the where? Is it just a coincidence that it was a rooftop and adultery? That's the story of Bathsheba and David. Rooftop and adultery. Ahithophel had something that all of us tend to get if we're not careful. And if you've got it, it's hard to get rid of it. The Bible says and refers to it as the root of bitterness in Hebrews chapter 12. I don't know, and I don't want to fill in too many of the blanks with my imagination because I can't say for sure, but Ahithophel apparently never got over the fact of what David had done with Bathsheba. He was not only content to counsel against his old friend, but you remember in chapter 17, he said, let me go, let me go get him. What does that sound like? He had a personal vendetta against David. I'll take 12,000 and I'll kill him tonight. I'll arise and pursue after David. I will make him afraid. I will smite the king only. That's the only person I'm interested in. And as we turn to Romans chapter 12, I just want to warn all of us, including me, because everybody in this room has had some injustice happen to you. Maybe not this great. But everybody in this room has had somebody do something wrong to you. I promise. That's just how life is. And Romans chapter 12 and verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. If you'll treat him with kindness and patience, that'll do more than if you try to hurt him. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Easier said than done, but that's what the word of God says. It says revenge belongs to God. There's nothing wrong with justice and the law being carried out. And oh, by the way, God did that. Absalom was lamb number four. God took care of David and his punishment. God God took home the baby early. God allowed that horrible thing to happen to Tamar by his own son, Amnon, and then Absalom killed Amnon, and then we saw Absalom die a horrible death hanging by his hair in a tree. God will take care of them. God will take care of it. Just, just, Just wait. But Ahithophel was angry, and and here's what I believe, and here's what you got to know, and I believe this. The longer I live, the more I believe it. When you and I are bitter, we are really bitter at God. Because somewhere along the line, we realize God didn't stop it.
We need to let God deal with it. And his bitterness controlled the rest of his life. How else could a right-thinking man decide to join up with Absalom? His bitterness utterly and ultimately destroyed him. And I have written here, the smallest revenge will poison the soul. Unforgiveness and bitterness destroyed Ahithophel. And I heard someone say, when you forgive someone, it's like you freed two people. Vengeance is God's. He will repay. May I remind you that it's not just in this life we need to worry about. God has eternity and God has a judgment day coming. And everyone will stand before him someday. No one's getting away with anything in eternity. Maybe right now people are getting away with stuff. But no one's going to get away with it for eternity. So let's let God have it. Let's let God take it. I know this is easier said than done, but this is so necessary. Ahithophel didn't need to die this way. Ahithophel didn't need to end up this way. He probably would have went down in history with a much more accolades had he not allowed this bitterness and this personal issue that he had. Was what David did wrong? Absolutely. But it wasn't Ahithophel's job to be God. And I struggle with it as much as anybody. I see injustice and I grind my teeth and I, and I got to stop and say, I'm not God either. If it's my job and it's my business, if it's my responsibility, then I can handle it and I should handle it. But if it's not, I got to let him handle it at his time. We all know that David was a good man, generally speaking. And we all know that God loved David. And we, we need to understand God did not excuse David. David definitely died a man with a dysfunctional family. David did not die, I would say, happy. And he certainly didn't have a lot of family around all holding hands and talking about how wonderful family was. He ruined a lot of that for himself. He, he, he died with lots of things and issues that he had to face. But it didn't do Ahithophel any good to try to play God. And it won't do you and me any good either. So tonight's lesson about Ahithophel is bitterness destroys you. It doesn't, it doesn't take care of the other person. It just destroys you and me doesn't it? And so let's close in prayer with that. Lord, we thank